Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast worldwide. This is Schalke America and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across and bring you game highlights. Joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Happy Victory Sunday, Jack. Long time coming. Yeah, been a couple weeks uh, since we uh, picked up all three points. Finally back to our winning ways, although it was far from a uh, smooth sailing today. But, you know, the end result, I guess, is all that matters. But uh, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing quite well. It was a little tense moments today during the game. But uh, other than that, I am uh, I'm, I'm not doing bad. It's the weekend, so I guess I can't complain. Well, it is Sunday, so I guess I should complain. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we are not alone, Jack. Um, we are going to bring in uh, someone from the other side of the Roar Valley, um, someone we should have had on last week, but you know, with all the with all the hecticness of the game and whatnot, we uh, didn't even call him up, so we brought him in uh, to talk a little bit about the Derby. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Critty Smith. Critty, well, welcome back to the show, buddy. Hey, great to be back on. I'm the Mario Gutsy of this podcast. I'm the black sheep. I'm the black sheep of this podcast. So finally... Finally got my call. I'm coming in, Coach. I'm, you you can you can count on me to score that 88th minute penalty. I'll take it down. I'll take it down for you. Get the win in the World Cup, right? Um, hey, whatever it takes. Better than Messi for two minutes. Hey, there you go. So hey, what you been up to, man? Devoted listeners of the podcast will know that the actual reason Critty wasn't on last week is because he was busy uh, baking banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yes, that is. It's that time of season again, guys. Um, no, what I've been up to. Um, yeah, I've I've uh, I've been I've been talking obviously Inter and Dortmund a lot with uh, our good friend Nima over at the uh, Studio Inter podcast. So uh, I've been my my focus has been on Inter the past month. Uh, so all my attention's been been over there, and um, we're we're uh, after the new year we're going to resume the uh, the Semper the Semper Inter Legends series, which there's 18 articles right now written by yours truly on uh, SemperInter.com. Uh, we have another batch of great Inter players coming uh, in the new year, but um, that's the focus right now. But we're here to talk Bundesliga, so no Serie A. But uh, that's what I've been up to. You asked, I answered. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's let's talk about some German stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jack is obviously wanted to go with a team with blue color uh, as opposed to the yellow and black. But anyway, besides that's beside the point. Um, yeah, let's get into um, let's get into the Bundesliga. But first, you know, a little bit about the the derby last week, Curdy. Uh, yeah. We're curious on what your take is on the match. I mean, Jack and I had our take last week. Um, we thought the match was really a loss, in our opinion, for us. How did you feel with that match? Well, I got to say that it's very hard for me to exactly understand what Dortmund are right now. Uh, they they were going through a little bit of a, a, a form crisis, uh, so they were having a little bit of a downward spiral for a couple of weeks. And going into that intermatch, it kind of continued as they lost at the San Siro. Uh, they've come back with some pretty good results. Obviously, 3-0 uh, against Wolfsburg, uh, who 
along with Juventus and Liverpool coming into this uh, weekend, were one of only three unbeatens in their own league, their domestic league, not all competitions, but their domestic league in all of the top five in Europe. So Wolfsburg were in very, very, very elite company with the uh, eight-time Scudetto winning uh, Juventus side and uh, obviously the defending European champion Liverpool. Uh, so that came to an abrupt halt. So so you, you have this, you have this um, match uh, this past weekend against Wolfsburg, where you're feeling pretty good. And against Schalke, you, I, I would say, you know, for Derby, I expected a lot more. I, I, but again, this comes down to what I've been saying all year, and it goes back really to last year, is that this Dortmund side, if you look at the way that they're built, they're still built with that uh, gig-pressing, uh, fast build-up, uh, quick counter-attacking uh, uh, style of play in mind. And Favre plays with a 1-0 lead, uh, a very passive style of football almost like sitting on the ball like he's got you know uh Mourinho's 2010 Inter back line or something like that and I, I don't know if you guys know this but Inter uh, Inter shit um Dortmund <laughs> with a 1-0 lead have when they get a 1-0 lead their expected goals the way they play this season are almost three so so wow. they they it's it, it's it's incredible how how much of a Jekyll and Hyde they perform when they go up 1-0 they they can it's almost a guarantee that they'll concede. So, in a way, had Dortmund scored against Schalke, I would not have been surprised whatsoever if you guys had walked away two one victors because that's just that uh, a Dortmund becomes so so passive and and they it's the the aggression the 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 hunger to get the second goal to kind of put the game away seems to fade and I I've noticed that in in, in quite a few matches it doesn't seem to happen in competitions so like the DFB Pokal or stuff like that but definitely in the league. And I know that that the Dortmund value the league title over all others. So this, this you know this is where what Favre was brought in to to win and and to to bridge the gap to Bayern on. And while he's bridged the gap to Bayern this season, he can't bridge the gap to Gladbach, which is really weird to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so so funny to say that Gladbach are, are top of the table. But I, I'm just again I'm I'm from match to match, guys. And I brought in Mario Götze with my intro. Um, I'm so confused about his role in this team, in this side right now, because I feel like he's still a very, very capable and competent Bundesliga player. I think he is definitely, uh, if you take all the players in the league, he's in the top 25% of all players still. I think he has a lot to offer. His absence uh, within the lineup, his absence within substitutions, uh, I, I, I cringe when Jakob Larson comes on in favor of him. It makes me... It, it, it just it, to me, it seems like a political move. I think Dortmund are blacklisting him because of his failure to sign the contract that he won't sign, which is a, a wage reduction. Uh, I don't disagree with him for not signing that. I think Mario Götze, if uh, you know, if you account for what he could do in a full season, he's he's not being played. And I think that if you play him as a number eight or as possibly a number ten. I think that he is still, um, you know, to use the word elite might be a little bit dangerous, but still very good Bundesliga player. And there, there's, there just seems to be this, uh, this, this, this blacklisting of him within the club, whether it's from Vatske or Zork or, 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 or Favre himself. But uh, they only seem to bring him on when, 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 when it's desperation time. And with injuries like right now to Alcacer, Marco Royce injured himself in the Wolfsburg game. It's not clear whether he'll play midweek in the Champions League or even, dare I say, in the Classic against Bayern. 
you know, someone like Goethe would be really good to, to bring in right now. Um, so, I, again, uh, I don't know from week to week what Lucien Favre is going to do. It seems consistently like he tries to fit a, uh, a, some, like a square peg into a round hole, and it, it just doesn't fit. His tactics don't fit the, the, the personnel that he has on the side. I think our general opinion of the match, particularly the first half, um, Schalke played pretty well, we thought. Uh, but at least I thought that uh, it, that didn't really explain it. I, I couldn't give Schalke all the credit. It just seemed that like Dortmund was off their game to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can talk about the way that Wagner sets up his team and, and, and the pressing and the work rate that he puts in, but I don't think that accounted for the level of ineptitude that Dortmund showed getting forward. I thought Delaney in particular was poor, and that partnership with Witzel just was, was awful. Um, what did you make of of those two in particular and uh, what would you chalk up the the offensive struggles uh that Dortmund had in the first half to well that's actually that that pairing of two number sixes is actually one of the worst that they have on the team if you look at it back to last season the Delaney Witzel uh uh combination uh so that I mean you know you 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 could say that that may have something to do with it um in my opinion if you look at it from if you go back to last season, uh, you know, obviously Schalke hammered Dortmund in the Eurogrunde, uh, so uh, that, that, you know, they were um, had the bragging rights coming into this. And I think that Dortmund, you know, a lot of sports, uh, you, you have a lot of psychology come into it. And I think that Dortmund were, were, were just at, at no cost do they want to lose this match. Uh, I, I think that a lot of that play, if, if I look at it, there's a lot of timidness, um, a lot of just not wanting to, 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 to mess up or screw up or make a mistake or any kind of mental error that could lead to a Schalke goal because, you know, we, we've seen it before. If you go back to uh, even 20, was it 17, 18, the, uh, the 4-0 comeback, I mean, Schalke can strike very quickly against Dortmund. It's a derby. Anything could happen. I, I didn't see any uh, overwhelming desire to take the game by the throat. I, that's, that's what I saw. My takeaway was, you know, if you have the Delaney Witzel uh, double sixes that pairing has historically not worked out well for them and they've I've heard other shows pundits podcasts mentioned that specific duo many times as being a, a, a terrible lineup but yet if you look at it um, time and time again uh, Lucien Favre selects this and it makes more sense if you're playing a side that like that you're you know that you're you're I don't want to say you're that that's that's better than you on paper if you, if you were playing you know that's that's Say say a, a city or, or or Liverpool or somebody like that because it's it's a that's a defensive pairing right there. There's there there's that you know Delaney is a a, a a true defensive number six. He is he's he tackles he he, I mean he he's 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 a a bruiser, um, not a finesse guy, not a guy that a lot of times um, you rely on to uh, you know help heavily in the attack. So so I looked at that as you know look. Schalke obviously respect them because they're our, our, our neighbors and, and, and they deserve the respect because of where they are at the table. But, you know, this is a game you want to win. And I, I thought that 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 line, that selection right there in the midfield uh, in the four, two, three, one was that, that 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 was that was act number one on not not really going for a win. That was that was a uh, a very, I would say, timid or passive uh, selection. I, I don't like that combination at all with the two of those. You know, uh, you we have our own terrible duo of Burke, Seller, and Uth, um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
You know, hey, Brooks Dollar, he 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 runs a lot though, man. He puts in effort. He can't he can't hit the broadside of a barn, but man, does he run? He runs offsides. He doesn't stay onside. <laughs> <laughs> he has he has the most offside decisions against him of any player in the league. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that, but that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious on your take because, like, um, the way Wagner sets up his team, his teams tend to tire out fairly quickly, and it showed in the in the in the River Derby um, when you guys pretty much took over from the 75 75th minute onward. What do you make? You know, we have our we have our opinions about you know, what Wagner was thinking, but what do you what do you make with no substitutions up until the 80th minute? I mean, Wagner sees the team, the game is slipping away from his team, and yet he does nothing until uh, so late in the game. And from you know opposition standpoint, what do you what were you thinking in the game when you saw Wagner not doing anything? I'm sure you liked it, but you know how did it look to you? The only thing I can think of in that particular moment, and I, 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 you're asking me to go into David Wagner's head, and that's um, that's a scary place to be uh, <laughs> sometimes. Um, I can only say that it looked matchup wise. Perhaps he saw something he liked. He thought that the group that he had out there could 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 maintain and and, and you know withstand the what Dortmund were, were starting to take advantage of the game. Yeah, the last you know one sixth of the match. So what are we talking? 75 to the end of the match, you know, Dortmund were, were, were the better side, but I think obviously what makes common sense is that he saw that, you know, he had faith and trust in, in the people he had out there and, and that they could hold off the, 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 the Dortmund attack for the next 15 minutes. So all I can think of is that you don't, it has to be a move of, or, or lack thereof, of, I don't want to mess with the chemistry. I don't want to mess with, with tactically what, what's going on. Um, Obviously, it is a concern if your players are tiring out because that's that will eventually bite you if you're going to, um, you know, if 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 you're, if you're going to be in in that particular uh, situation, you, you 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 have to sub. But I mean, all I can think of is he he you know he's he's from the he's from the school of Klopp, and that's all I can say. Sometimes that works for you. Sometimes that works against you. I mean, um, right, right. you know, there's been a lot of times where people question Klopp's decisions in Liverpool matches that, you know, they're like, what was he thinking? And, and, you know, obviously winning cures that. So you don't hear that so much more these days. And I think as the season goes on, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of Wagner's skepticism decrease over the past two months. There seemed to be a lot the first month. And then it dwindled and dwindled, and 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 now, I mean, while you still hear it, it's it's definitely silenced uh, a good bit. I, guys, like I, I think he has his own way of doing things, and I, uh, all I can think of is that that something that he believed that tactically didn't need to be changed, whether it had to do with any kind of fitness or conditioning at all, he liked something he saw, and he didn't want to mess with it. So, um, other than that, I can't explain it because I'm I, I like you saw them with the body language is clear that they were fatigued. Yeah, I think it was just that I, mean, I understand that perspective. Like he doesn't want to mess with the chemistry likes, but he sees out there. But this has been kind of a recurring pattern for him to some extent. Uh, the one thing that we've been positive about with him is that there's been a lot of continuity in terms of, you know, week, uh, match day to match day uh, starting 11s. Whereas, you know, last year under Tedesco, you had no idea who was going to be in the team week to week. It changed up so much. We thought that was a little bit disruptive Where and probably contributed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, where where McKennedy be playing would be one thing, right? And so, uh, you know, Wagner has mostly picked the same squad the entire season, um, changed from like a four two three one to a four four two diamond midway. Um, so we kind of knew what we would expect, but I think the issue was just that 
as we said, I mean, like, so if the issue is that you don't want to mess with the chemistry, you don't want to change anything, then why does he go and make three substitutions in the final 10 minutes at, like, the pivotal moments of the match? Like, the Alessandro substitution in particular in the 84th minute, which for me is just, like, bring on somebody who has fresh legs, can run his ass off, is going to work hard. Why not make that substitution a lot earlier than the 84th minute? Like, what's the point at that point in the match? Yeah, no, um, see, I agree with you on that. It, to me, if you're if, if you're going that route, you'd make it, you know, around somewhere around the 70th or 70, 72nd, 75th minute. You don't wait till, uh, you know, five minutes before the end of the match. So I, I, yeah, I agree with everything you said on that. So for, from the from the Dortmund perspective, I'm, I'm just interested uh, as somebody who's obviously a fan of our our, our biggest rival. Yeah. Uh, Either just sort of generally this season, or maybe particularly from this this one match. This is the only time that you've seen Schalke. What about us has impressed you, if anything? And what do you think are are positives for us that we should be excited about as Schalke supporters going forward for the rest of the season? You know, that's a that's an excellent question. But I I, I would honestly say I'm I'm honestly scared to answer it. I'm going to answer it, but it's it's like. If you'd asked me that same question two years ago when Tedesco first came in and you guys were just, you know, grinding out results, I would say, you know, what, what, what is what is so so great to be excited about 2017-18? I would say, well, you know, you guys have this this never never say quit attitude. You 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 grind out results, and I'm seeing a lot of that this year as well. And I know you guys are going to talk about the Augsburg match later, uh, but that's a prime example of this. You know, three uh, two against an opponent that. Yeah, Schalke on paper should probably sweep away, but it's not about it's 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 like you know in Germany they say all that matters is the, you know that's endergebnis. It doesn't the, the the only thing that matters is the, is the final score. If you win five four against Freiburg or one nil against uh, Bayern, it's it's all the same three points. It it, re- it it really is. And so Schalke just impresses me at how they've turned things around from last year to this year and i could but equally say what was surprisingly and like disappointingly and i say disappointing like yeah it's i mean i've always said you know strong shock is good for the bundesliga i stand by that but like of course as a dortmund supporter i look at y'all in 14th place last year and i'm laughing a little bit um (laughs) but that's just such a drastic fall from 2 to 14 and now from 14 back into the top top you know you guys are level on points with Bayern only behind on goal differential. So, I mean, right there in the Champions League spots, right there, you know, I mean, four points off of the lead in the table. So the the fact that it's been such a roller coaster, but David Wagner was able to stabilize a team that was in utter shambles last season, could not score a goal. And, and you know, while the offense is still, you know, Schalke is not this beautiful stop brand of football that's, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not you know, Mohamed Salah at Liverpool by, by any means, but it's, it's such a, um, it's a, it was a great job for him to come in from, you know, leaving Huddersfield, coming in here, um, it, it back, back to his home country. It, it's just the fact that you guys were resilient this year, uh, made smart moves in the transfer window. I thought last season, we, you know, you and I talked about this, Jack, um, with the moves you guys made last year. Um, and I thought that those would translate to much more, obviously with, um, Harit with the accident and stuff like that. I think that probably psychologically messed him up a lot. So you, you have to take into account, you know, where was his head last season, right? Um, but things have stabilized. David Wagner's gotten gotten the ship back in the ocean. It's 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 coasting now. These win these matches last year against an Augsburg were not automatic, and now it's like okay, you can be you can be content knowing, hey, more than likely we're going to win this match. So. 
also helps the fact that you don't have to play in Europe this year. I mean, you guys are only playing in the DFB Pokal. That's that's it. So of course that you know without the Doppelbelastung of the uh, Champions League or Europa League, that helps a lot. So you guys can focus on what matters most, and that's you know finishing you know obviously top five, top six in the Bundesliga. Wagner's, I think, going to do that. I think there's 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 some consistency, stability. There's quietness in the club. You know, there's a lot of the a lot of the echoes um, after a 14th place season. There's a lot of of, of built up frustration within within the members within the members and and the fan base. And so that's now calm. Um, so I just like the fact that everything has 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 streamlined again. He's he's gotten it back to a really nice. You know, expect you know you, you expect to beat the clubs below you. You expect to compete against the guys ab- above you, and you know definitely people that are on um, eye level with you. Uh, uh, it it, sh- it should go down to the wire, and you should win most of those uh, because on paper, Schalke still has a boatload of talent. Uh, they have um, so, well, so many good young players, but like you, I think we mentioned Weston McKinney just a little while ago. I mean, I mean Harit. I mean this. You know this this there, there's there's talent there. So. I, I think the sky's the limit with him. I, I like Wagner at Huddersfield. I thought he overachieved like crazy with that team, with that budget in the Premier League going against, I mean, I think they beat Manchester United, which I know does, that's not the same as it used to be. But I believe he beat them either his the first year they were in the Premier League or either or the last year. I know they, they got him one time. That's incredible. I mean, this guy, I think you got, like when I saw that you hired him, I immediately said, you know, I don't know if they're going to win a Bundesliga, but he's he's going to have them contending for Champions League. He's going to have them contending uh, or, or definitely competing with Dortmund in the uh, Revere Derby. So I'm very pleased with with the progress you guys have made. And as a if I were a Schalke fan, you know, I I, I would be way more optimistic than pessimistic. Uh, so speaking of Wagner, um, I don't know if he's the one who uh, crafted this recipe or if he saw it for someone else earlier in the uh, early in the season. But it seems like your defense, your defense got exploited through speed, and, and in particular, Robbie Matando. Robbie Matando had a plethora of opportunities in the game against you guys. Um, it just seemed that like was you guys- exploited way before. Okay, so maybe he so he saw it, so he saw it before. So how much does that worry you that speed like that can uh, de- just derail your defense there? Because uh, you guys had no answer for Robbie Matano. If it wasn't for lack of scoring or lack of finishing, I mean, Chaka could have had a big victory. Uh, what do you make of your defense and, and, and their, I guess, inability to, to cope with, with pace? You've seen this time and time again. It was uh, within the last month, uh, I believe, was it Dor- Dortmund gave up a 1-0 lead in like the first couple of minutes at home. I, I, I want to say that was, uh, I can't remember who that was against, but it, it, it's, it, you know, where you have Mats Hummel's, First of all, let me say Emmanuel Akanji is taking a big step back. Uh, you yeah, know, at this yeah. point, I would almost want uh, Zagadou playing at that position. He's like six, he look, he's like Brock Lesnar. He's like six five, two forty of solid French rock muscle. Um, you know, at this point, they they, they the, the kid is is uh, he's got to evolve. I mean, he's started num- a number of Bundesliga matches since he came came into the club two years ago. But you have to have someone Matsumos can you have to have someone almost covering Matsumos because his pace is so pathetically bad. Whereas he's so intelligent in the build-up play, he helps out tremendously there. He's his 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 vision and his ability to read the game is almost unmatched of any center back in the world. I dare say at Bundesliga, but anywhere in the world. But his pace is so bad that if you ever get caught on a corner or free kick and the ball quickly goes down, you know the opposite uh, end of the pitch. Hummels is dead in the water. You're already, that's already one defender down. You don't have to worry about. It. He's not. He's not going to catch up with you. Um, if it's him, if, if he's the last line of defense, then it's one on one against Brookie. I mean, that's just that's it. You're going to get past him 
if, if you run past if it, you know if he's if you run past him I mean down the wings I mean he's he's virtually helpless. Then you have you know I saw the combination for instance this past week where they moved Hakimi up and they moved Rafael Guerrero back. Um, so I mean I, I think that Favre's trying out different combinations because he knows exactly what you just described is that he has a major problem in the back four. Um, you know this that was that's been exposed though really all season long in the fact that you have uh, Dortmund while they have some intelligent defenders they 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 they're not they're, you know they're not the capable to 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 play the style of the brand of football I think that Favre wants to play and at the same time be effective at at, at defending uh in all situations so it does worry me this was something that worried me when they signed Hummels back in the summer I, I thought you know for for the brain and you know his intelligence he's an absolute steal but there's a physical aspect and a, and a speed aspect of football that goes into it, and and he he's certainly lacking there. Um, I don't know what I don't know what what he's what he's going to do other than maybe you know obviously they they got rid of uh, Abdul Diallo in the summer. I thought he was a great player, but I guess you know when we talked about this before, you know, seller clubs are going to sell. So you know when 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 someone comes calling with forty million or whatever it was, you know, Diallo's gone. Now you're now you're relying. Almost solely on a kanji uh, in center central defense to to play alongside Hummels, and you're hoping that chemistry clicks. You have no evidence of that. They never played with each other uh, until this season, so you can't go back to last season and say, "Oh yeah, it worked." Um, you know, you look at the bench. Were you going to put Schmelzer in there? I mean, uh, he's basically damaged goods at this point. He's just there because the fans love. He's one. Of, he's you know one of the guys that won those two back to back league titles, and he was at the Champions League final in 2013. And you know it's a feel good thing, but you know he's he's not going to play any more meaningful minutes. So they need to probably figure out something either Vintapause or definitely next summer about some of the, um, the 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 backline problems. But by the way, Richard, that's basically plagued them though since the Peter Bosch days and even before. You know, even you know I think the last time the defense was really reliable was probably the Thomas Tuchel era. And even that wasn't like, you know, lock solid. But I mean, Peter Bosch really had the worst defense I can remember in, in recent Dortmund history, it had more to do with his style of play than the mm. personnel. But um, yeah, Favre just, um, I think Zagadou might right now might be, might be uh, a worthy candidate of getting a shot. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Akanji's just, um, just for whatever reason this season, he's just, he's just regressed. And you would like to see, when you play next to a guy who's won the World Cup, you know, as in Mats Hummels, that partnership, you know, it's like Virgil van Dijk elevated Dejan Lovren at Liverpool. You'd like to see Hummels elevate Akanji. It hasn't happened, though. So it's something that's very, very bothersome. And, and you're right. Uh, speed kills. And that's that's proven time and time again against Dortmund. You've seen some of the goals they've conceded. Before we leave uh, Schalke and Dortmund, specific yeah. topics behind and just move to Bundesliga in a macro sense for a couple minutes sure. here. There is one question that I have to ask you. Yes. That I think a lot of our fans want to know is Critty a member of the free Katucha movement? Uh, <laughs> only because I see it on Twitter all the time from you guys. And I get a blast <laughs> reading about this. Um, and I think Jack, I wrote, I read your tweet over, over the last couple of days about, well, there you have it. It's a closed case. Um, you know, the, the, the books closed. We can all, we can all rest easy now. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm a member of it. I'm an honorary member for sure because I get I, I you, you guys have hammered that point home for the past three months uh, ad nauseum. So I, I get a kick reading it. So yeah, I'm 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 on board with that. I, I'll wave that banner. That's a big win for the freaking tissue movement. But that that tweet that you referenced specifically, yeah, like 
I guess the issue is that there's a lot of people that don't listen to the podcast that don't know me, and so that is that tweet is like intentionally melodramatic. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of leaning into the meme there. After I sent that out, I had multiple Germans like in my Twitter mentions saying things like "What an unnecessary hysteria" and all these other kind of things, and so I was I was getting a <laughs> kick out of that because they're like. Can you believe this random guy from Illinois is getting so upset about this? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> this random guy from <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 been great to read it, and I I I I I I knew where you were going with that, but uh, doesn't surprise. I didn't see a lot of the comments below. I just I, I read it, and I, I remember I liked it. Uh, but yeah, I've been following that your 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 um tweet your Twitter uh, uh movement on that for for a few months. Now, so. Yeah, yeah, and of, uh, and of course, every, James I, Thurgood. I try, to, I try to like it and, and like retweet it or something every time I see it because it's it's pretty pretty damn funny. And we made it onto the Fox Sports broadcast with James Thurgood mentioning the free crew tissue movement during a match. Nice. Uh, yeah, that, that was that was really the pinnacle. Um, so there's been I mean there's been a lot said about this season being the best opportunity in recent memory for the Bundesliga to crown a fresh champion and for them to move away even. Briefly, even if it's just one season, from the narrative that is annoying to every person that loves the Bundesliga and cares about it, which is that it's a boring league because Bayern wins the title every year. Bayern has obviously been struggling. Um, Obviously, as of the recording of this podcast, Niko Kovac has been sacked. Um, Don't know who the replacement is going to be yet. Um, Gladbach currently on top of the table. uh, Dorman in second, Leipzig third, Bayern fourth. Freiburg and Schalke also up there. How confident are you in... Gladbox legitimacy as a title contender and uh ultimately how do you see this one shaking out as we move forward my i'm smiling from ear from ear to ear and i i'm holding back the laughter because i i because as soon as you <laughs> as soon as you read that sentence i wanted to just be like not confident at all like zero um i have zero like if you gave me if you like if you if you gave me like house money and gave me the odds or whatever, I wouldn't even put the house money on Gladbach. Like I I, I know who has who has higher odds, Freiburg or Gladbach? Ah <laughs> oh, man, that's a good one. Um, well, seeing how Gladbach are trying to to shoot themselves in the foot in the Europa League, they'll only be playing in one competition pretty soon, so they'll join Freiburg in those ranks um, of not having to play in Europe. Uh, I mean, I say Gladbach's stronger than Freiburg, but in all seriousness, you know, it's been it's been a nice story. And I remember um, I remember back in 2014, 15, when Gladbach finished third. And, and you know, that was the uh, the last full season of uh, of the, the, the guy who's currently at Dortmund that likes to uh, abruptly quit uh, jobs that he that he you know starts and never finishes. Um, but that was a great feel good story to see this club that was relegated only years before. I mean, they're, you know, Gladbach is a damn German steamroller. Historically, they, they were the back to back to back, uh, in the seventies, you know, the titles and, and just all the tradition, you know, obviously different, different era, different time in football altogether. But, you know, Gladbach's a historic, they're one of those traditions finds we, we talk about all the time. They, they've, um, they've got a name and they've got a tradition and they've got a culture, but, uh, what they don't have is a transfer budget, and um, that that uh, can only be undone by chemistry and the ability to stay healthy throughout 34 match days. And eventually, Gladbach is going to. They have not played Bayern yet. I don't believe in the Hinrunde, so that's still that's a six pointer right there. 
they have played Dortmund. They've lost, but it was at the Westfalenstadion. So they have a, a return match with them come uh, at Borussia Park in the spring. Um, yeah, they um, don't instill a lot of confidence in me over 34 match days. I think it's a great story. And I think that it is seeing two Borussias at the top and, and it's a, it's a throwback, but other than, it's nothing more than that. I mean, they're, they're going to, they're going to fall victim to squad depth. They're going to fall de- victim to a, a talent def- deficit in terms of um, Leipzig are better than them on paper. Bayern are better than them on paper. Dortmund are better than them on paper. Um, that will catch up with you eventually. This, this is, this would be great. I know everyone's hoping that Gladbach will be the Leicester city of, uh, you know, the, the Bundesliga, but I'm not saying that Bayern will win. I'm just saying Borussia Mönchengladbach are not winning the title. I think the team that poses the biggest threat to unseating Bayern um, is actually a team that people will probably hate just as much if if if, if Bayern won. And I, I agree Leipzig. with you before you even say it. I agree Leipzig, with you 100%. yeah, Leipzig was a team I said early on the season like they're going to be true contenders to Bayern this year. You know, yep. before even all this happened, and they got the talent, they got the they got the know how, they got a manager. I mean, they got the system. I mean, obviously they come up to the ranks so fast, and they they know what they're doing. Um, Leipzig, I think, are probably the best position. You know, not not taking away from Dortmund and Schalke and Freiburg and and, Mung, and Gladbach, but uh, I think Leipzig is a team that's uh, legit this year for uh, contending for the title, I think. What do you think, Jack? 8-0 against Mainz, right? 8-0? Yeah, they yeah. killed them. Yeah, just yeah, the 8. So that's, the, that's the thing, and, and guys, you know, to get your opinion, I, I said this back in September, I believe it was, about Leipzig. I, I, I've and, and people don't like to hear it because they have personal, for personal reasons, you know, they hate tradition, Leipzig. Tradition. Yeah, of course, but... It's like you hate the New England Patriots, but they win every year. If you think that they're a bad team, you're an idiot or you're ignorant. I mean, that's just they're, – they're a great team. I don't care how, how they get there. They're a great team. RB Leipzig are a very good team. They have a, a, a lethal strike force. They have excellent midfield, uh, decent enough goalkeeper, and I think one of the best uh, young managers in the whole, in the, on the whole globe. So, I mean, you know, you, you can – all those things. Things come together. They're only going to get better. And this, this, you know, I'm not saying you know, minds are world beaters, but you beat somebody eight uh, nil. You can certainly, you got my attention. It sounds like you're slightly, con- at least I'm slightly concerned from what you're saying that uh, we're all getting a little bit too far ahead of ourselves. Ten match days into the season, and that this Bayern run of bad form, which still only has them four points back, which is nothing. Right. Is going to uh, evaporate pretty quickly, probably post international break, yes. and then this is all going to be in the rearview mirror, yes. lo- like really quickly. And we're going to be, you know, looking back to this podcast at some point in March and, and laughing I'll at how that. at how foolish we were, thinking yeah. that Byron maybe didn't have a chance. We we said this, you know, last season, and I think Dortmund were a better side last season because they haven't they hadn't been kind of. Corrupted yet by the the Favre tentacles, they they were still trying to you know kind of play their 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 beautiful style of football that they play the the you know and and they had that nice nine they had a nine point lead against a Kovac led Bayern at the uh, right before Christmas right before the uh, the Winterpause so so you had a near double digit lead for Dortmund side that everyone were was was you know raving about they'd already you know shown that they could beat them. They beat them in the Hinrunde, so they'd already taken three points from them head-to-head. I mean, I don't know how much more of, I don't know how much more of a st- like points advantage that you 
one. I mean, a nine, nine, if Bayern had a nine-point lead, it would be, you know, 25 by the end of the season. Dortmund, I'm not saying that, you know, uh, I beat them by one point. You, you're, you're champions. But he gave up a nine-point lead. I, this Dortmund team is far more inconsistent than last season's. And I think, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the Nick Gassula injury is a concern for Bayern's back four. But th- this, you know, Philip Coutinho, the, the, the little magician, you have Robert Lewandowski who's scoring goals left and right. You like, you know, the addition of Ivan Perisic, Thomas Müller, you know, with the new coach, with the new manager coming in. What is Thomas Müller's role going to be? You know, obviously he's he's been complaining about. Uh, feeling left out and uh, uh, kind of uh, unappreciated, unappreciated at the squad, you know, at, at the club. And he's he's one of the few people that's come up through their through their system and has been with them through the Champions League win and through the all of the all of the championships, all of the Meisterschale that they've won. He's he's been there to to, to hoist them. So, um, you know, is there go- is someone going to come in and say, you know, no, Thomas Müller embodies what Bayern München is. So I'm, you know, he's going to take a, a, a star. I'm going to make sure I'll carve out a role for him in, the, in this team. Um, we don't know as of as of the recording of this podcast who the manager is going to be. I think it's appropriate that that Eintracht Frankfurt are the team that that nailed the the coffin shut for Nico Kovac since <laughs> the, the yeah. way that he left them. Um, so that that so not only did Frankfurt, um, you know, uh, uh, get the last laugh on him, but I mean, what a, what a way five one just 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 like a, a just a slaughtering on his way to the gallows led by uh, KHR and Uli Hoeneß. I'm I'm sure, uh, you know, for 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 Nico Kovac, but. Yeah, you know, Jack, to be honest, none of us can rest easy because, as you said, you know, uh, four points is nothing when it comes to Bayern. They had a nine-point deficit, 17 matches in. Right now they sit four back, only 10 matches in. So I think we are all three in agreement that it could, they can turn it around very, very quickly, depe- consi- depending on who the next manager will be. I don't think, and I don't think any of us, the three of us, think that Bayern are not going to win this year. Uh, you know, there, there'll be some teams that we're, that we're looking at, like Leipzig and you know, and, and Dortmund and stuff like that. But I, I with with Bayern, I thought last year was the the right the right time to beat them. And you know, Dortmund had their chance and blew it. Um, sorry, Curdy, not to bring back memories, but um, I yeah, think no. you know, I, I'm not I'm not down on Bayern. I think they're probably going to win again unless proven wrong, right? You know, it, it's it doesn't matter who their manager is. I mean, last year Kovac had the big deficit, as we said, and they came back and and won the league, and so. You know, was the hire, was the firing a, a wrong move? We'll find out. But I mean, well, I think the Bar- funny thing Byron is, probably still win it. The funny thing is, Jack, is that uh, so Richard. The funny thing is that two years ago, when they fired Carlo Ancelotti, they still would have won the league. Yeah. They, they 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 sacked him because they were what in second place or third place or fourth place or wherever they were. It, it doesn't really even matter. I mean, it's it's like if you're not in first place by match day three at Bayern, you get sacked. Unless you're your pine kids, apparently. And I mean, I, I know for a fact that they're not going to go to that well again because he's already told them. He's told them the last time, you know, like this is really, really it, guys. Like, you know, uh, after <laughs> after he bailed them out and, um, you know, he well, he turned the team around. God, they won the league. That was the season they, that Schalke finished second. So they won by 23 points. I mean, they were down like four or five when he came in and then they end up that's a 30 point swing. Uh, but he's not going to be able to be their savior this time. So. We can go ahead. Do you want to talk about the elephant in the room? I mean, because, you know, it. we all know it's coming. Absolutely. Go for it. Well, in terms of who, who, we, who we think that their next manager could be, I mean, let's talk about the possibility, uh, whether it fits or not, because tactically uh, the personnel isn't quite there. But, like, you know, Josie Mourinho, you know, what do you guys think about the possibility that he comes in? 
I don't think any three of us can sit here and think that with this Bundesliga, you know, managing in the Premier League is one thing, but taking Bayern Munich, who already on paper is what Manchester United wasn't the best team on paper in the Premier League. They, they weren't. Uh, but Bayern Munich are. So it'd be really yeah. hard, don't you guys think, for him to screw this up if Jose Mourinho came into Bayern to, to, to not win the league? So I have, I don't know if I'm convinced that, that Bayern are going to want to go out and get him in particular, but I mean, there are, there have been the reports that he's been taking German lessons, all these sort of things. And, and you and I were talking before we started recording, and I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that point in the sense that Mourinho's reputation has taken a hit uh, because of the way he sort of crashed and burned out of these clubs in terms of, uh, you know, his media relations and, and, you know, stories about internal rifts in the team and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, the guy's, you know, one of the most decorated managers um, and has a a pedigree and a resume that 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 speaks for itself and it, yeah it's it's the point you just brought up it's this is not you know a, a rebuilding manchester united that he's taking over when he's also going up against pep guardiola with unlimited resources and jurgen klopp who's done a phenomenal job at liverpool you know he, he's coming in and taking over a bayern squad which on paper is still the best squad in the league and if anyone you know thinks that like that would be a bad hire for for bayern at least in terms of the potential success, I think they're I think they're fooling themselves. Yeah, maybe it'd be a bad hire for Bayern in terms of like a culture fit, or maybe he's not the exact personality that you'd want, kind of being the figurehead of that club. But I mean, yeah, I, I personally think that if, if Mourinho comes in and takes over Bayern, I mean, it's 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 over. I just I just don't see a manager of that quality taking over a side of that quality and it not ending in anything other than another uh, title for Bayern. Yeah, I think our friends over at the Super Bayern part are probably salivating at the at the thought of maybe getting Mourinho because if he comes in, they're going to win the league. The only way he would not, the only way he'd get fired from from Bayern is it like Jack was talking about culture or personality. You know that conflicts with, with the way they run things. That's the only way I see it because if he comes in, they're going to win and they're probably going to do start doing. Uh, they're going to even do. They're going to blow away the league. You know, really because he'll he'll defensively the way he sets up his teams are are, are fantastic. Um, so. Uh, it's not a question of whether he's going to win. It's in how far will Byron go in, in other tournaments and, you know, like Champions League and, and the DFB's DFP Pokal. So uh, I think we're probably all unanimously thinking that, you know, he's going to be he's going to win the league if if he comes in. And how could you not go against this guy, right? Or how could well, you do, go against this you, guy? Do you, I mean, if you're, if you're Uli Hernes and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, though, do you, what, what are your, expect, are you, is your expectation just to win the domestic double? Or do you think, you know, okay, Jose Mourinho, he's won the Champions League multiple times. He's won the treble. Uh, you know, are you expecting in year one, halfway through the season almost, that, you know, hey, he's also going to boost our Champions League odds? I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you think in terms of... Because, I mean, hey, we can go ahead and get this out of the way. There's, there's, besides Bayern, there's no one in this league that is capable of winning the Champions League or anything close to it. So Dortmund, sorry. Uh, Leipzig, sorry. And... Um, Leverkusen, yeah, you guys are pretty much already out as it is. So, what do you think that their do you think their expectation rises in that competition too? Do you think you think he gets a pass if he were to get higher? Would he get a pass this year on that and say, yeah, wherever you finish is where you finish. Don't worry about that till next year. I don't think that that should be their primary concern. I think the primary concern for them should be who do we bring in that's going to turn this thing around, win the title, and then potentially can can be the right fit for us going forward. But I wouldn't doubt if that is going into their consideration as well, because I do think there's a sense of entitlement at that club. And so despite the way things have been going so far, I'm sure that there's a chance they are thinking still about, oh, let's get a, let's not only just get a manager that can 
you know, get us back where we need to be domestically, but one that's going to give us a shot at the Champions League, which, I mean, to me, would not be what I'd be focusing on. I, I think they have bigger issues at the moment, um, particularly because they seem to have a difficult time getting over the hump in that competition, um, even with, you know, Pep Guardiola, when, when things are going as, as good as basically possible, they still have an issue getting there. So, I don't know. Richard, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, they probably should look to the future, but uh, the way I, I see it this year, they're probably going to pass in the sense that, okay, go ahead and win the Bundesliga this year, win the DFP Pokal next year, or next year, you know, make it semifinals at least to the Champions League. Um, I can see that with, you, with Juli Honus and, and, and Karl Heinz and Rubenega, but. Uh, you know, I don't know if they. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to even think about how they, how they, how they do things over there because you know the way they should be doing it is kind of like Jack was saying is you know think of think of the future, think of someone who can not only win now but also potentially win in the future and have this you know continue the dynasty going on. And I don't know if I think they're like Jack is saying entitlement that they're going to want to win and want to win now, and so they'll get a pass in Champions League this year. I mean, they'll probably have to go you know fairly deep, not not semifinals, but you know fairly deep and do well. Um, but I think you know the, the onus will be on you know getting deep and really deep in the, in the Champions League next year on top of winning the double uh, domestically. Is there anybody else that you can think of that if Josie Mourinho is not the one selected, who who, who does Bayern go after? And that let's just say he doesn't. You know they say it's a bad fit. We we don't want to deal with his shenanigans like you said with the media and stuff. You know he's going. He he does draw a lot of. He's a very arrogant guy in a in a. In a funny way, but still, it, it draws a lot of it. He, they, you know, Byron liked done things done the Byron way. And um, who do you think would be a possible? Rep- I mean, it's midseason, guys. Like, there's not a lot just sitting out there. Allegri, I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, he I is. Allegri's for- still going to sit on another year. I mean, sit out the year. I think he'd be a great name to pick. I mean, obviously, but um, I heard he's taking English lessons, meaning he wants to go to England. Um, but it's still, I think, not till next season. I mean, that's a good question. Arsene Wenger, maybe. Um, that would be. But you know, that would just that would just be what maybe like like a stopgap guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't think of any big time manager that's available now with with Champions League pedigree or that potential. I mean, Pochettino, if he gets fired, um, that would be somebody. But it's too late now. I mean, he, they're Bayern already need to make a move now, right? Think- so. Do you think? Do you, do you guys? So let's just say it's not Jose Mourinho. Do you think that they can? Now that Kovac, so the, the stability's gone. They've 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 unplugged the, the, the they've taken their finger out of out of the the the, the dam. So the water's flowing through. So the, the stability is is gone for the moment. It's 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 an interim interim uh, uh, manager, and that's you know just for the Olympiacos match, he's going to be in control. But that's going to quickly you know alter itself. Do you think Bayern can win the league with just anyone, or do they have to get somebody that is is halfway competent? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they have to get someone that's halfway competent. It just, yeah, it, it's a, it's a question of whether or not they're looking for somebody who's going to be a stopgap, or they're going to try to shoot a little bit higher and go out and actually get a high-profile manager. And I think that remains to be seen. If I if I had to guess, I, I'd guess that they're going to go after somebody who's slightly more high-profile, just because that seems to be um, in their makeup a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to. I think the name that comes in is either gonna is gonna be a known entity in in a big way. Imagine if they went after uh, Tedesco and he came back and he won the league. <laughs> <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann. Jurgen Klinsmann. I mean, hey, that's that's more plausible than Tedesco, honestly. But he's already been um, there once, right? I think. Right. Coached, yeah. Yeah. So so in in that in that move, moving moving forward a week, uh, since you guys asked me what I thought about your team and your club, 
Uh, what are you guys? I'm assuming, I guess they'd have someone in place by the weekend. I, I, I don't, I don't even know that for a fact. I mean, I know that they've already said that the uh, they're not going to have a, a, a replacement by the Champions League. So, what are you guys expecting for the uh, Dortmund Bayern match? Like, how do you, how does this how does this match look now without Nico Kovac? Well, I think it came out today. They said that uh, the assistant was going to take over for the remaining fixtures until the international break. So I don't think we're going to get a new hire until we come back from that. So yeah, so the Dortmund match Dortmund's going to get like an interim manager, no matter what. So right. that's my understanding based on the news that came out today. Yeah. So that looks pretty bad. If Lucien Favre uh, can't be this disfigured Bayern that is just like in, in dire straits right now. Um, I mean, especially with the title, as you as you said, I mean, this is Bayern at their the, the ripest they've been to be, to get picked off. Um, I mean, what do you guys what do you guys expect to see from from that match on the weekend? Should be clo- a lot closer than it. Than I mean, if Dortmund go out and lose like five one to 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 a, a, a team with no manager, for, you know, to say then that's gonna be really bad on Favre and he might be out. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, I expect it to be a lot closer. I expect it to be a lot closer now that there's an interim manager. Um, there's obviously gonna be a fight with Bayern now that prove that you know it was just a manager's fault, not their fault. Um, Dortmund gotta have some kind of hunger in there to prove that they're you know serious contenders this year. Um, and so I think it'll be a very tight match. I mean, I I mean a one goal victory maybe one way. It's looking like a draw really, but uh, it's gonna be a tight match. I think more so than if Kovac had been there. I, I think I think uh, if Kovac remained, I thought that I think they probably could have Dortmund. Uh, excuse me, Munich could have probably still won. I think it's interesting that Dortmund have uh, a really, really tough uh, two matches this week. And I think that the return fixture against Inter at the uh, Westfalenstadion could... I think you almost have to pick what you prioritize because I don't think they're taking six out of six points. So you almost have to decide... You know, do you let Conte come in and you know tr- try best? You know, try, don't don't break your backs, get a draw, get the one point, or maybe even Inter upset them and, and get. I don't even know if that would be an upset, actually. Um, number two team in Italy, by the way, haha. Um, but I think that you have to prioritize the league. If you're Dortmund, you have to say the Bayern match is more important. I would think. Oh yeah, I would agree. I don't. I don't think Dortmund is going to be prioritizing Europe. Over, and if they are, I don't think that that's them taking a realistic view of where they are as a team at this moment. That's true. That's true. So, so some final questions about the Bundesliga. So we we all agree, we all agree that no matter what, if 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 like Armageddon comes down to earth, Bayern Munich will still win the Bundesliga. We we we're going for number number eight in a row this season, right? Right, gentlemen. I think we Sadly. is that right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm lastly, not, I'm not, I'm not willing to give up on that. I mean, I came on yeah. a podcast with you preseason last year, Critty, when I think you were picking Dortmund to win the title finally, and it wasn't that I didn't like what I saw from Dortmund's summer signings or anything, but I just said until Bayern doesn't win it, I can't pick against them. Right. There's just, yes. there's just no reason to. Yeah, and and this, like we said, at this point, there's, it's still only a four point gap, which is nothing, yes. with you know two thirds of the season remaining here so yeah I, I i hate that that's my answer but at this point i would still put them as odds on favorite so Schalke will finish in the champions league spots yes or no these next four games are going to be determined that i think um if they come out of these with you know four victories or three and three victories in a draw they're going to be in the champions league i think they're being a good spot it's still a lot early i mean so many games are remaining but 
Um, it's going to be close. It's going to be. I think they're going to be on the on the verge of Europa League and Champions League, like towing that line. It's not going to be like a second or third. You look at some of the other clubs that were predicted, or at least yeah. expected to kind of be fighting for that too. And you you go to a club like Bayer Leverkusen, who's all the way down in tenth place, and you're like, wow, they're kind of falling off. But yeah, that, that's a three point gap. Three yeah, point gap. It's nothing. I mean, it's nothing. I mean, so yeah. So even the sixth and tenth is only three points. So to say that, like you know, I'm confident Schalke's going to qualify. Everything in this in this in this league this season is just changing rapidly week to week. So since since you guys asked me this question to start off with, I'm going to ask you to to finish. Is is there any scenario that you see Gladbach being able to hold on to the current lead? I mean, in in, in all seriousness. No. Yeah. Quick quick answer. <laughs> How long do they hold it for, Richard? Like, how are we there at Christmas, or is it already a done, done and dusted by Christmas? I think they're, I think they're out by Christmas. I, I honestly do. I mean, it'd be great to see them, in, you know, still at the top or Freiburg still up the top, but I don't, I don't see, I don't see either team lasting that long. So, I think okay. So their next, their next two matches are are Bremen and, and Union Berlin, and I think they can win both of those, obviously. Yeah. But after that. The three after that are Freiburg, Bayern, and Wolfsburg. Ooh, and that's, that's going to be a gauntlet for them. Those are three good teams that I think could easily beat them on their day. Um, so I, I think, I, I don't know if they're going to be there by Christmas, but I, I don't think where they are at the end of November is going to give us a hint of where they're going to be at the end of December is what I'll say. I, I, think, yeah. I, I think you need to make it through the month of December because their December is pretty rough. The one team that, weirdly enough, has tripped Bayern up over the last five years as Gladbach. I, I don't know this why. This is true. This is true. But but they do. They just play Bayern tough every time, and 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 they're the they're the one team that's been able to go down multiple times to the Allianz and take points off them. Just just a, I mean that I I like that's an unexplained phenomenon. I mean, it goes back to Favre, and then uh, the I I blank on the guy who replaced him when he quit abruptly after five match days back in 2015 but that guy went down there oh Julian uh I can't remember his name he was only there for like a season or two but he went down I mean they they mopped the floor with Byron uh with with that guy who came in after Favre and um it's just weird it's like I I I you like I I honestly Jack when you say those three teams I'm like man they should the the, the scary one is Wolfsburg just because yeah. just because Gladbach just for some reason is has Bayern's number. Well, I mean, if that's how you feel about it, then then maybe you would be confident that they're going to end December um, up in first place. Because if you if you look at that that three game run and you, you and you're not particularly worried about that from their perspective, then I think they're sitting pretty because yeah. they clo- they close out December with Paderborn and Hertha. Oh, that's an easy slate. That's 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 got to be six right there. I mean, so that's what I'm saying is like there, there's a couple winnable matches and then there's three that I think could go either way. And then there's a couple winnable matches again. So I don't know if they continue to be consistent in the games that we expect them to win. They'll still be fine. But whether or not they're going to be in first place, I think, depends on that. That three run to start yeah. uh, and nine out of ten times when you mentioned Freiburg, I would say, well, that's three points, but they just won't go away either. I mean, they're just they're they're right there. They're I mean, if you would told me Lord strike ten that Freiburg be level in points with Bayern, I would say, well, Bayern's got to be fighting for relegation then. Crazy stuff. Great. That's why we love this league. <laughs> it's fine. Well, it's finally, it's finally like something different than it has been in the past. That That's for sure. I mean, we for do now. have Gladbach and Schalke and all these, all these guys that, you know, were great in the past seem to be good right now. And, and you, you got everyone's in the mix, but um, 
like I said, I, I do agree with Richard that if there's going to be, I mean, Jack, do you agree with that? Is there's going to be one team that can take down Bayern? It's going to be RB Leipzig. Do you think? Do you do you third that, or or, or do you think it would be I, someone else? I think in in the combination of squad quality and coaching, I think it's Leipzig. Um, I like Dortmund's squad a lot. I I think they have an incredible amount of depth. I just there just seems to be something that's not quite clicking there yet with Favre yep. and Dortmund this season. Whether or not that gets fixed remains to be seen. But I mean, I think um, to some extent, I, th- I think like Leipzig are just kind of the White Walkers that are are <laughs> off to the side and they're just kind of slowly marching towards the title. And like you know what I mean. And yeah. like no one likes to talk about them just because it's like ugh, like it's Leipzig. But I mean, they're they're a fairly consistent squad and they have, as you said. Certainly, probably the best young manager in the world, one of the best up and coming managers in the world. And, uh, you know, they, they have the squad that can get it done. I do think they have enough talent to, to get them over the mountaintop. Well, if they're the White Walkers, I will say this winter is, in fact, coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> yes. Thanks for having Critty on. I mean, uh, it's awesome to hear you talk. Having about. <laughs> yeah, I'll, thank I'm, you to I'm, ourselves for having Critty on there. I, I, yes, you're welcome to myself thanks for, for having our myself podcast. on. <laughs> All right, guys. No, well, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, where can our followers find you on on, on social media? Um, they can find me uh, obviously on Twitter at Critty Smith. Um, again, uh, I'm a regular contributor to the uh, Studio Inter podcast uh, and the author and. Uh, Founder of the Semper Inter Legends series, uh, which is on hiatus at the moment, will be coming back uh, in the new year. And uh, again, uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's basically just chronicling the uh, from the very start. We're talking uh, Miazza all the way to Zanetti. Uh, uh, as I, I hate when they call him this, but Fat Ronaldo. Uh, even though I say <laughs> he was the original Ronaldo, um, we, we you know it's um, it's just a really it's a really cool idea that I had and uh, Nima was so gracious to, to, to not only give it life on the website, but also to make it a segment, a uh, regular segment on his podcast. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast doing that. Um, like I said, we'll be near 20 articles when we start back up. So yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my focus. That's what I'm, I'm working on. And I'll be, um, you know, obviously talking smack to you guys about Schalke, you know, here and there throughout the season. So <laughs> That's 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 what I do on social media besides Inter. Jack, I smell a uh, a rematch in the uh, Ronda with Critty here. Oh yeah, well, yeah. we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> no, yeah. So, to our <laughs> listeners, if if you're interested in uh, Serie A and obviously a historic club over there, and and the series that Critty is doing, definitely go check that out and give that podcast a listen as well. Um, it's good stuff for sure. Critty, yeah. Don't bother with the other Milan. Just just Inter. Good to have you on, brother. Hey, thank you guys. Have a, have a great rest of the show, guys. Thanks, Critty. Thanks, Richard. All right, that was a, uh, a great segment there with uh, Critty Smith, Jack. Uh, we were there talking a little bit Bundesliga, a little bit Revere Derby, so... Uh, Great stuff to have him on. It's always good to have him back. It's uh, it's been a while, too long. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know why neither of us thought to have him on <laughs> last week, but we usually have him on at least at least once a season. So it, it only made sense to I think uh, bring him on just to put a button on the Revere Derby last week and then kind of talk 
Bundesliga in a larger sense because it is a very interesting season thus far. But back to the more important matters at hand. It's a victory Sunday, Richard. It is a victory Sunday, and uh, I think the reason we were so wrapped up is because you know we're so busy with the free Katucha movement. It is a full time job, and uh, so uh, but we were back to our victory Sunday, which is so nice to hear. Um, it was a crazy victory, though, huh? It wasn't your typical. Uh, oh, hey, we won the game. It's uh, a typical Schalke game where you leave it to the end, and uh, all kinds of stuff happened in the game, huh? Yeah, it definitely was not the most straightforward but uh you know the important thing is that we we found a way to grind this out uh this was an important three points for us to pick up given the points that we had dropped recently get us back on track um and, and that's i guess mostly what i'm what i'm pleased with is just sort of the resilience of the squad despite uh was pretty poor performance at at, at certain points and some other things that obviously didn't go our way uh as well which we'll get into yeah, um, you know, and come to this game, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, look, uh, they're in 17th place." You know, we should it should be a cakewalk. But Aux- Augsburg's always been a difficult squad, um, especially against us. I mean, Finn Bogason, who's always been a shocker killer, teams like um, every team seems to have a shocker killer apparently. Um, but but looking at their lineup going into this game, uh, Kobeck and, and goal, Licksteiner, an old Serie A guy playing in, uh, in the league, uh, Yedvai, who's a, a solid young defender, um, Uda. Uh, Udakai, Max, Philip Max, we know who for many years, I don't know why he's still there, but uh, he's tried true Augsburg guy, and uh, he's always been uh, dangerous against us. Uh, Kadira, uh, younger brother of Sam, of, um, of uh, Sammy Kadira. Uh, Daniel Bayer, who's uh, the captain of, of, of Augsburg. Uh, Doesn't he always player. score against us too? He does, he does. And he, him Go and Philip Max actually both scored, scored against us uh, in 2015, I think it was. So uh, they both have been for this, this squad for a long time. Uh, Richter, uh, who we will talk about in this game because he he was a thorn in our side. Uh, Niederlichner, uh, Vargas, and Finn Bogason, like I said, um, who's always been scoring goals against Schalke. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the lineup and obviously Gregorich and and on the bench. I mean, they had some players in there that you know, that'll worry you. So, I mean, I was more worried than most Schalke fans. It seems like I don't know how you felt. You look at the lineup and it really isn't a lineup that looks as bad as what their table position is. Like there's right. some there's some good there's some good players in that squad. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as we said last week, I mean, it's not a team that you can take for granted. I don't think you can take anything for granted in the Bundesliga. But I mean, certainly, despite their their proximity to like Paderborn or something, I think you take Augsburg a lot more seriously than a team like Paderborn. Yes. So, um, yeah, but on the road at Augsburg, there's still some people that can cause you problems and 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 put you under pressure, and you got to respect that. Yeah, and so it was curious to see what our lineup would be going into this one, and obviously Alexander Nubel and goal. Uh, the back four did not change from the midweek. It was uh, John Joe Kenny, Ozan Kabak, Salif Sane, and Bastian Ochipka in midfield four. Um, changed slightly from the midweek. Uh, you had Owen Mascarell on the six. You had Weston McKinney and Serdar on the wings, and then Harit in the number 10 role. And then up top, you actually had the exact same uh, front four, front two, excuse me, uh, as the midweek, and you had uh, Benito Rahman and Mark Uth. What were your thoughts on the lineup, in particular the attacking duo? Uh, I think it's what I expected, at least. Um, I think there's a lot of people that kind of figured that we would continue with what we did midweek uh, with that partnership and give that a shot uh, in the Bundesliga. Um, I wasn't thrilled about that, just because, once again, I, 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 I continuously... I'm unimpressed with Mark Oot. I'm a little bit more optimistic about Rahman and, and I like some of the things he does, but just like, yeah, I mean, of course it's not my ideal partnership. I understand, you know, giving Bergstaller a break. Um, even Matondo, to some extent, he's been playing a lot 
obviously goes without saying, would have liked to see uh, Katucho in this one. But David Wagner, of course, came out, I think it was maybe Friday, um, at his kind of pre-match press conference and, and basically said that uh, he's not good enough in, in the pressing game. Um, and that's why he's not getting the minutes up top because he's, he's not as, as committed and, and as effective in, in that in that responsibility, which is very important to the way Wagner sets up his team and what he wants them to do to disrupt the opponent. And so, like, I mean, I understand that. It just, you know, continues to be a point of frustration because uh, there are only two forwards in our squad that have scored a goal uh, in the Bundesliga this season. And Bergstahl is not one of them. Markut is not one of them. And Raman is not one of them. It's Matondo. And it's Katuchu, um, which I'm not yeah. trying to say that, that that one stat alone like proves anything. It's just you know, it, when when these other guys aren't aren't getting it done up front, um, it, it's difficult to imagine that things that like <laughs> the kind of stuff that happened today. Honestly, we got away with it again, but it, it's difficult to imagine that over the course of the season, it is going to be sustainable for us to pick up results on the back of you know midfield and center back goals and own goals, honestly too. Because we had a couple of those against, you know, Hertha or whatever um, earlier in the season, um, those kind of things probably aren't going to carry us. You can't, you can't take those to the bank. So, at, sooner rather than later, at some point, we need to start getting some production from the attacking duo up top if he continues to stay in the system. And uh, yeah, I continue to think that there are potentially better options in terms of the offensive capabilities up there. Um, but obviously, Wagner is placing more emphasis on uh, the work rate at this point, which is, which is, you know, it's fair. And some of the one of the worrying things you see uh, pre-match was that there was no defenders listed on the reserve squad, um, and that's because uh, Matias Nastasic and Miranda Juan Miranda both picked up injuries, so uh, that meant there was nobody uh, on the bench who could come on if there was an injury. And unfortunately, there was an injury in the fifth minute. Salif Sane collided with uh, I don't remember who it was, but uh, hurt his knee. I mean, the guy that guy's on the telecast, you know. Thought maybe it could have been an outside of the leg uh, kind of uh, ligament damage there. So I mean, with Sambuli already out um, and Sane now getting injured, who, they couldn't look to the bench for someone to bring in. So they they slotted Weston McKinney, Mister Old Utility Man, uh, to play center back. And we've we've talked about it many times on many many seasons here on on the Shaka podcast. Um, and he slotted. He actually did fairly well in the game. I thought. Um, what were your thoughts about Weston McKinney sliding back in that center back? Well, first and foremost, obviously our thoughts are with uh, Sané. Hopefully he makes a quick recovery. Um, I have not seen an update. Maybe I just missed this. I have not seen an update uh, stating what, what the, the prognosis is here for Sané and how quickly he's going to be able to return. Obviously it didn't look good. Um, anytime there's a knee involved, it worries you. He was stretchered off. Uh, and the combination of Stambouli, who's going to be out potentially long-term, as, as long as January, I've heard, with that foot injury. And now Sané uh, definitely makes us a little bit thin back there. It's kind of worrying that we're not going to have the depth that maybe we thought we did. But, uh, you know, hopefully Nastasic and Kavak can can strike up a partnership here. Um, as far as McKenney goes and what he did in this match, um, I, I don't want to be too critical of him just because it, it's not his position. And he's being asked to do that, obviously, in a, in a match right. where he wasn't expecting to be in that role. And I'm assuming he hasn't been training for that role. Um, I thought, from a defensive standpoint, standpoint, wow, from a defensive standpoint, for the most part, um, I thought he was okay. Um, I, I I was slightly less impressed with his contributions to build up. I thought some of his passing was a little bit um, errant or lacked the right touch to kind of help build things going forward. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be too critical of him just because, like I said, this this is not. I, I don't think it's fair to judge him playing out a position like that. And the fact that he's well, able to do that at all is is a credit to him as as a player to his versatility. Well, one of the questions we got from our from our listeners uh, pre match was uh, or pre pod, I should say, uh, from Shaka Canada FC. You know, based on these injuries that we we're talking about, you know, he says or they they say. Who do you think Shaka will call up with Stambouli, Nasasaj, and now Sané all injured with what could be at least till winter break injuries? Um, that's a good question. Obviously, Ozan Kabak is the man who's going to step up first, first and foremost. Uh, but from there, I don't know. I mean, uh, will it be, you know, put it, I don't know if you put John Joe Kenny in the center back because that doesn't seem like a right fit. Maybe a Bastion Chipka. He's got the size at least. Um, maybe throw someone in the midfield. I don't know. What, what do you think the team will go from here? Call someone from the youth team. Yeah, I mean, listen. I, I, as anyone, I mean, I, I'm not overly familiar with what we have going down at the Napashmita uh, in the youth ranks. I, I don't follow that as closely as perhaps I should. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not like locked into that. And like, hey, there's there's a guy that's right on the verge of breaking into the first team that we could slide and center back, give an opportunity to. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I think it's going to be Nastasic whenever he's healthy and Kalbach going forward. It's just going to be an issue of they're not going to be able to rotate. And, and stay fresh. Yeah. Um, they're probably just gonna have to play those guys and grind them in. Um, maybe you see McKinney rotate into that occasionally. I'd be surprised if he was the main man um, going forward. I think it has to probably be Nostalgia and Kabak, assuming they're both fit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it virtually eliminates the possibility of um, any significant rotation there week to week. They're gonna have to hope that those guys stay fresh. And yeah, like maybe there'll be a guy that comes up from the youth system that that surprises us, but. I don't know. I, I don't know who that would be at this at this moment in time. So yeah, it, it's not a good situation, and you know, hopefully these guys just get back as as, as soon as possible because they had a really good start to the season. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess another option could be you know bringing up Jonas Carls, put him at left back, and then bringing a Chipka in the middle. But I don't know. Like you said, maybe maybe uh, McKinney will be in the mix at some at some point. Um, eventually, it will be Nasasic and 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 Kabak. I agree with you there. So. Uh, yeah, um, it's just this unfortunate injury, and you hate to see injuries like that, and especially uh, the Sleeve Sonny was having such a good season, I thought, up to this point, um, getting a couple goals already as well. So a uh, real, real leader on the team. So, um, yeah, this is a, this is a strange game. Uh, I thought Chalka, you know, as the game went on, obviously got more and more possession. Uh, for obvious reasons, you know, they were down at certain points of the game, so that, that could contribute to the, the numbers like that. But um, the game, the first goal of the game really um, – uh, you know, before I get to the goals, I thought for the most part, and maybe you differ in your opinion on this, but I thought uh, Benito Rahman and, and, and Mark Uth were really very un- ineffective in the game. How, what were your thoughts on those two strikers? Um, I mean, I noticed them dropping deep a lot. Uh, so I think they made a little bit of an impact, and I know that they, they, they ran and they, they tried. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to point to too many specific moments in the match, particularly for Oot, where he did anything that was noteworthy. Um, once again, maybe I'm not watching closely enough. Uh, I was actually at a uh, there is there is a uh, a Schalke fan club in Chicago that I have discovered um, nice. called Royal Blue Tornado, and they meet at a a German social club on the north side. So I kind of showed up there and invited myself into that and uh watched the game there so shout out to all those fine people who were very welcoming um it was a it was a cool little german cash bar 
uh, a very friendly and warm community there. So maybe I'll, I'll hit some more watch parties up there. Anyway, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't see a whole lot from them, uh, particularly Oot. And uh, I, yeah, I'm, 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 like, I'm just not impressed with what their impact was. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I I felt the same way. I mean, both both players were getting dropping in deep to try to get the ball, and that's because the ball was not very wasn't moving that well. I mean, Harit was very ineffective in the beginning as well, and a lot of the guys. It's just like we had a lot of possession, but we weren't doing anything with the possession. So I can see why both Uth and, and Rahman would drop in deep to try to get the ball, try to kickstart something, but really it just didn't work, and I, uh, you know it was unfortunate there. Um, yeah, we had a really difficult time building out of the back. So once once the Sané injury happened and, and McKenney slid in, um, they brought on Daniel Caligiuri, who replaced McKenney at the right side of that diamond. But they, they basically moved from a 4-4-2 diamond into a back three with Mascarell basically dropping and joining the back line almost permanently. It, I mean, more so we talk about you know how he'll drop deep sometimes to try to receive the ball and be an outlet. Um, he was in the back line for a lot of this game as an actual you know additional center back, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, Augsburg pressed with three people on e- on each one of those um, center backs that we had. So we we had a very difficult time doing anything. There was a lot of you know like McKenney would cycle it out, it'd go back to McKenney, he'd play it to Newble, he'd play it across. So I mean I know what you mean. Like whatever possession we had, we weren't often doing a whole lot. With it, I was surprised that we didn't try to go route one a little bit more often and just play balls over the top as much as I hate that kind of style of play. Um, you know, Maybe if we had Matanda win the match, that would have been more of an option because of his pace. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was requiring Uten Raman to drop super deep, which is really not ideal for your strikers. You'd like to have them in a starting position a little bit higher up the pitch yeah. to kind of stretch things. So um, it was tough. I mean, I think, I think Harit, like you said, I think he worked... I think he worked really hard in this one defensively off the ball. It's just, yeah, it was not a, a clean or, or crisp performance from us. It was really difficult for us to get anything going. Yeah, and the first goal of the game came in around the 38th minute or so. Uh, Daniel Beyer, the captain, uh, he finished it pretty well after uh, Finn Bogason uh, evaded McKinney. Uh, you, you know, McKinney looked pretty bad on that play, uh, or maybe it was a better, really good play by Finn Bogason. But anyway, he got the ball. Uh, cross it into the middle, and you know it missed one Augsburg player, but went right to Bayer, who finished it really well. Uh, one nothing, and it was bound to happen with as many opportunities as as Augsburg were getting in the game. Um, Nubelhead was forced to make a couple saves throughout the game, and you know Augsburg getting their opportunities. So you knew with us not doing anything offensively that something was going to come back and bite us, and it did with that Bayer goal. I really thought that Bogusen was offside. Uh, at least, at least when I watched close. it, it very close, when I watched yeah. it live initially, it, it looked like he was offside. I've seen some subsequent stills with different angles where I'm a little bit less convinced it's possible that Kabak was keeping him on, uh, but questionable at least a little bit. Um, yeah, he gets by McKenney, um, not the best job kind of keeping him in that corner, but I, I don't think that goal is on McKenney because there's still a lot that has to happen for that ball to get in the net. Sure. Sure. And, uh, real lack of on-the-ball pressure from any of the Schalke players on the box. A lot of ball-watching on that play. No one tried to step out and get in front of that shot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice finish from 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 Bayer, but, I mean, there's not a whole lot Nubel can do on that. He doesn't see it cleanly initially, and there's just there, there's no one that's really trying to get in his face and, and make it more difficult. He just kind of falls to him, and he has a pretty clean angle to take it right away. So uh, that was disappointing um, to, to concede in, in that way. And I had a feeling that was going to happen with, with all the possession we were having and doing nothing with it. They were going to come back, and it's like the same old Schalke script, right? You know, get all this possession, do all, do a bunch of nothing, and the other team come back and bite you. 
but that goal seemed to wake up Schalke, and it seemed to happen both times that, that Augsburg scored. Schalke seemed to wake up out of their trance and, and, and start pushing forward. Uh, just before halftime, uh, Chaka would level it up. Caligiri's free kick uh, would we be headed in uh, superbly, at might I add, by Stefan Licksteiner, an own goal. <laughs> um, that would make it 1-1. I guess uh, fortune favors the brave, I guess. You know, Chaka put themselves in a position where they could get a free kick. And um, Caligiri, with his nice kicks, I mean, he, that's what he does well is set pieces and uh, he, it led to that goal. So uh, he does it one one. He does it well from free kicks, but his corner kicks are brutal sometimes. It's so yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. There's that sort of discrepancy, and and so that sort of difference between the quality of his of his free kick delivery and his corner kick delivery. But anyway, uh, yeah, that 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 ball sits up kind of on the the left side outside the box, and so you have a bunch of players that are making diagonal near post runs. Um, and uh, it's a great delivery from Caligari, and I actually thought that it was Serdar who flicked it on initially because he too. was he was right there i thought he had scored and then you see on the replay it was actually licksteiner with a um phenomenal flicked on back post header um Berger should have been watching. <laughs> so uh yeah i mean bail this out there a little bit uh very important i think to get that one get that one back because I, I still don't think at that point we had any sort of grip on the match um and definitely i don't really think had much much momentum so to kind of be able to go into halftime uh, even was would have probably been uh, a nice thing, um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Wagner probably had a lot to <laughs> discuss with them to try to get them organized, given the shuffling that had gone on and everything. So uh, at least they can feel good about their starting from zero, you know, in the second half yeah. rather than starting from a deficit. I, I know Nubel was happy to go, that it got the halftime because one player in particular that was pretty good. Uh, for Augsburg was Richter, and he was everywhere. He made Newell force a uh, couple saves from him, you know, because uh, he was all over the place. It seemed like offensively where the ball was, he was. Um, and that kind of picked up in the second half as well for Richter. Uh, but some of the inability offensively culminated with, with this statistic. The Schalke's first shot on target didn't come until the 50th minute, Jack. Um, that You can't have that. I mean, I don't care who you're playing. You cannot wait till the 50th minute to get your first shot on target. Yeah, it's pretty funny that we had scored a goal by that point without having a shot on target. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but is that surprising to you, though? I mean, maybe because you had Serdar and, and, and Harit in the lineup, but... Against the 17th rank opponent? Yeah, duh. I but mean, it, yes, it's dude, but, burgers are good. But, but what have, what have, like, what has Mark Ut or Raman showed you in other Bundesliga matches that makes you convinced that they're going to provide any sort of... Yeah, great yeah. play going forward. I mean, yeah, you can talk about what they did midweek, but I mean that's that's a people Cal match on a Tuesday night at a second division team. Um, you know, I I don't know how much stock you can take in that. Not to say that there weren't some nice goals scored there, and those guys should have gotten some confidence from those performances. But um, yeah, I, I I continue to think that we don't have all the options we need up there to be as effective as we need to. So no, I mean, yeah, it's it's unacceptable that. It takes that long for you know a team of our position in the table to be getting a shot on target, but uh, you know I think that's what happens when you just don't have the talent you need up top. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's that's very true. And also, I don't know, man. It's just uh, I guess too much optimism I have. I guess that the team will do better, and they, they just don't. Same thing every week. I don't know. Um, a guy who could be our future center back. We'll see. Uh, Bastian Chipka in the fifty seventh minute was called for a handball. Um, it's, I don't get this. How many how many games have we had uh, handballs that uh, went, uh, went for us, possibly, and then they didn't call it, they didn't check, and nothing. Augsburg, they just started complaining, and referees said, okay, I'll go check the box, I'll go check the VAR, and it did hit Ochipka's hand. They did call it a penalty. Um, 
had forced uh, you know Nubel to try to make a save on that, which he did not. Van Bogusen, uh get the got the goal, made it two one. But I thought it was funny because uh, the the whole play just seemed very odd, and it and it and it, and it culminated just before the the shot by Finn Bogusen when the referee told the reserves for Schalke to get away from the goal because apparently he they were. Uh, in messing with with Finn Bogus and I don't know uh, what the heck was going on because like Katushu and a bunch of other guys, he was like the referee was like get out of there, get out of there. I'm like what? It, it, it's it's infuriating and it's absurd. Uh, I don't understand what how these decisions get made week to week. You're absolutely right. I mean we had we had two handballs that I think were clearer handballs than that against Bayern. Yeah. Um, and then of course last week with what was, I thought, a blatant handball from, I think it was Hazard, um, whose arm was in a much more unnatural position than Ochipka's was in. I'm not saying that I haven't seen penalties given um, like the one today with Ochipka. His arm was out, although it was less, it was less than a 45-degree angle away from his body. He didn't have any time to react. He was right in front of it. Um, I'm not saying I've never seen that given before. It's just like he goes and takes a look at it, and he wouldn't even do that in the Revere Derby last week. It's so infuriating how these things happen. You know, we have not been on the right side of most of these. I think this season so far, we had a couple go our way, but yeah, that was that was pretty frustrating because we we had gotten back into this match um, right before halftime, and then to to fall behind again. We had gotten off to a little bit better of a start in, in, in that manner was was really frustrating. Um, but uh, Fimbagasen took a really nice penalty. Uh, got yeah, Nubel going the wrong way. Um, and there you go, two one. Yeah, and Schalke seemed to pick it up right after that as well. Again, I don't know why they they wait till they get scored on to start playing. Um, Daniel Bayer, uh, he ended up tackling Kalajiri. Uh, he receives a yellow, which kind of sets up this play. Uh, Kalajiri again on another free kick. At first glance, when he first kicked, it looked like it was a poor kick, but it it seemed to find Ozan Kabak in the head uh, for the splendid header, two two. Uh, what a way to get your first goal for for the defender, our future defender now, uh, our a new starting defender. Uh, good goal for him. Good good for the team. But uh, I'm I'm glad glad to see Kabaka doing well on that play. Uh, you know, after the midweek and he was struggling a little bit at the end of that game. Yeah, almost kind of the reverse of uh, the first goal. Maybe not in terms of the starting position from where Calgary took the free kick, but uh, Kabak making sort of a diagonal run across to the other post this time and uh ball comes in and it's a flick down header to uh the back post there again uh really well taken um got in front of his man and and, and got an accurate shot uh on a frame yeah i agree i mean this is his first start of the season i believe in the bundesliga and he marks it with a goal and it was a very important one uh in the context of the match because it leveled things up once again second time in the match that we had come from behind to uh Leveled up. So, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that we were excited about coming into the season. Hadn't had maybe the opportunities that we would have expected initially, but, you know, to be fair, Stambouli and Sane had been playing really well. Um, and, uh, I mean, you, you can't really blame Wagner for having a first-choice center-back pairing and sticking with it, given how things had been going. Um, we, we saw Kabak kind of come on a couple times as a late-game cameo to add another defender kind of lock things down and see a result out um so this was you know a big moment for him in the context of the season overall i thought he played pretty well and then this was obviously a huge moment for him going forward no it certainly was and uh the team seemed to feed off of that they kept continuing to try it on uh to get that the extra goal um it would though come it it, it took a while it was for a while i wasn't sure if it was going to come but in the 82nd minute uh, a through pass to Harit. Who, who moments before was uh, someone tried to feed him with a, a through pass, but he was caught offside. 
But, you know, the cameras, you know, so looking at the replay, and all of a sudden they go back, and he's got someone fed him with a pass. Uh, he comes in through, goes one on one with the defender, beats his defender, uh, and then chips it past the goalkeeper, makes it two, three to two. Uh, once again, Amin Harit saving the day for Schalke at the end of the game. Yeah, bails us out again. Very similar to the Mons match. I mean, what, what what can you say about this guy? I mean, he's got he's got that something special. You know, he's got he's got an X factor. Um, he uh, just puts his defender on skates. I forget which defender that was. Maybe it was Yedvai. Um, I'm not uh, sure, maybe, but yeah. yeah, he goes. He kind of goes left, then goes right. So I think he ultimately gets his man to fall down, and he buys himself a yard of space and uh, plays that in kind of a tight window between the keeper and whoever else was running in there last second. Plays it kind of. Uh, off to that back post and uh god i mean where would we be if it wouldn't be if it wasn't for him this season uh so far uh he just still running you know in the 82nd minute there after all all the effort he had put in all match he you know he he springs on a loose ball from a bad i think it was an errant back pass that started that play off and uh he's so difficult to take off the ball i mean he's just a magician with the ball at his feet and then obviously he's found uh some scoring form this season which he hadn't necessarily had uh, in that first year of Tedesco, that was the part that we were hoping he would add to his game is that if he could just, you know, get some goals in him, he'd suddenly be a much more dangerous player. He's shown that this season and uh, completes what is uh, a really impressive and really resilient performance from us. Yeah, you could say that we should have handled this, handled our business a little bit better um, going into the match. But, uh, you know, all things considered, this is a good result to come out of it with three points, given the adversity we went through. Um, I mean, things changed very quickly from what we had expected, you know, with the Sonny thing. And that definitely threw us out of our rhythm and had to kind of change the system up a little bit. And uh, I think we I think we ultimately should be pleased with with how this one ended up. Absolutely. I mean, a win is a win. As Curtis said earlier, uh, it doesn't matter how, if it was a big win or a small win. A win, you get three points is all that matters. And that keeps us one point behind our rivals. And we're, what, uh, four points behind uh, Gladbach for first place. So, I mean, these next games are going to be crucial for Schalke, um, you know, against uh, Bremen, Dusseldorf, and Union Berlin. So, um, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I, I tweeted out, you know, after the game that, well, just before this game actually, that you know these four games are really going to tell Schalke if they're really going to be in for the fight, uh, get them back to the top of the table, is if they can uh, come out with these four games with at least three wins, three wins and a draw at minimum. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I mean this this is a absolutely crucial stretch. This Augsburg, Dusseldorf, Bremen, Berlin stretch is. I'm, I don't want to say it's going to make or break our season, but. It it could get close to that if we don't win. Confidence wise, it could. I mean, but it, I mean, but in points wise as well. I mean, these are matches that we absolutely absolutely have to take advantage of because you you would say based on how we've been playing this season that all three of those are winnable and a couple of those we would be expected to win. Um, but after after that stretch, it's Leverkusen, it's Frankfurt, it's Wolfsburg, it's Freiburg, it's Gladbach oh. and Bayern again. Jeez, that is a six That's- that is a six game gauntlet. Yeah. That, that is, I mean, yeah, and Leverkusen maybe hasn't been firing, you know, quite as well as you would have expected them to uh, this season. But there's still only three points between where they are and where we are, sixth and tenth. That's how tight the table is. So, um, yeah, I, I think we we had a couple missed opportunities the previous couple weeks um, to get points where we where we should have. And uh, going forward, these next three matches are crucial because, I mean. You can't be confident that we're going to get out of that that next six game run with with all that many points. Well, since we talked about these three games coming up, uh, we did get a tweet from uh, our friend George from Schalke News. He asked us with these next three fixtures, make some predictions for the game. Um, Schalke USA on Twitter 
They wrote down uh, for the uh, Dusseldorf match a 2 nothing victory prediction against Bremen, a 1-1 draw, and then a 3-1 victory at Union Berlin. Uh, what are your predictions for those three games coming up? Uh, I'm not going to make individual scoreline predictions, but I'll go ahead and say that we're going to get three points against Berlin and uh, Dusseldorf and at least one against Bremen. Yeah. Uh, because we I'm need with to, that. and I'm confident that we'll get it done, but yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. I think uh, I think a win against Düsseldorf in Union Berlin is certainly uh, uh, certainly a possibility, uh, especially since Schalke will be at home against Union Berlin. They, they tend to be harder on the uh, when they're in Berlin. Uh, Our friends but, uh, from Dortmund know that. That's right. That's right. Uh, and also uh, Hoffenheim found that out this uh, during the DFB Pokal, I think. So, um, but uh, Bremen matchup will be tough. I think Bremen always plays us tough, and I I, I think we're going to draw that one. So I'm with you. Uh, two wins and a draw these next three games. So. Uh, I am with that 100%. Um, yeah, and then uh, the big news is, um, I guess the big news of today, uh, was it, I guess it was today, uh, Schalke drew Hertha Berlin in the next round of DFB Pokal. How do we feel about that? feel pretty good about that. Um, you know, with all the teams that are left at this point in the competition, uh, it could have been worse, obviously, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. Her- Hertha... Uh, you know, it's a competent Bundesliga side, but you know they're they're pretty mid table at the moment, um, maybe slightly lower mid table, and uh, wasn't overly impressed with them the first time we played them this season. Obviously, we got the benefit of a couple own goals, but um, I thought we did we did pretty well in that one. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm okay with that with that draw. Uh, it's one that I think we should be able to advance through, and hopefully we do. Yeah, they obviously got the guy, they obviously got Duda in there, so who's always been. Uh Playing the playlist pretty well, but uh, I, I'm confident in that matchup as well. I mean, it could have been RB Leipzig, or it could have been someone else. So um, I'm happy with that with that draw, and um, you know, yeah, look forward to that match. And um, you know, a win, uh, an important three three points we got today was it was key, I think, and it kept us in the fight. And so we are still in the top six. We are currently six, I think, based on goal differential. Uh, Freiburg and uh, Bayern are just and and Leipzig are all. Uh, ahead of us but based on goal differentials so um it's very tight i mean and there's three teams below us one point behind us i mean it's it's so tight in the bundesliga at the moment so but we're currently sitting in sixth place so um yeah this is uh this is a fun podcast especially having critty on here it's good to have people on here we haven't uh, heard from in a while especially critty so um very very fun episode uh jack uh anything else you want to part with before we close this one out no, just reiterate, uh, you know, our our wishes, best uh, wishes to Sané on his recovery and also Stan Bully as well. Um, hope that they can uh, get through that as, as soon as possible and uh, rejoin the team because we're certainly stronger with them in there. Absolutely. Uh, we don't know how long either of them are out for, but um, we assume uh, Stan Bully is out until the break. And then uh, from what it looked like, at least Sané might be out for a while. So hopefully they both come back quick because uh, we certainly need them. We have no depth otherwise. Um all right. Uh, make sure you sign up for the Shaka U.S. newsletter. Uh, it comes out monthly. You can just go to the uh, team website and sign up there with your email. On that note, keep tuning in each week as we will bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Shaka Fox Soccer and Critty Smith for helping us on our podcast today. Uh, make sure you give him a follow. Um, if there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at Shalke America. We want to give a sh- special shout-out to our very good friends at NBC4 Nashville. Thank you again once you for your support. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? You can find me at JM Mangan on Twitter, J-M-M-A-N-G. 
G-A-N. And you can find me there uh, being so over the top with the freak tutu stuff that I uh, trigger random Germans. <laughs> Hashtag freak <laughs> Once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoes. Shoes.